0: On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Wilderness. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Second Samuel, chapter 17, verses 16 and 17. Here now, Pastor Moody.
1: We'll preach a little while, going to the book of Second Samuel. I was going to read about half a chapter, but I've decided to just read one verse and preach. Amen. 2 Samuel. Chapter 17. And this will be a very well maybe maybe not familiar scripture, but it is to me. Second Samuel chapter 17, verse 16. I'll just sort of give you a little backdrop as to what's going on. This is when Absalom had rose up uh, in rebellion against his own father, and it was taken over the throne. And had driven David, the first great anointed king of Israel, out of Jerusalem. And there was a counselor by the name of Hushai. And he sent a word to David. And this was that word 2 Samuel 17 and verse 16. He said, Now therefore, send quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness. But speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. Notice in the middle of that verse, he said, Tell David, lodge not this night in the wilderness. Back early in the week, last week, God spoke to my heart about the wilderness. He began to deal with me about the idea of the wilderness. And I want to preach on that for a little while. You see, the Bible uses the analogy and speaks of a place called the wilderness quite often. And I believe that it will say something to us this morning. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Thank you for your favor, your blessing, for the worship, the presence of God that we've felt here. Thank you for the privilege of dedicating a child in a world that's not really friendly to children. We have a place where children can be sheltered in the presence of God. And we thank you for that. Let your will be done anoint us and use us for a while in this, in this message. We'll give you praise. And everybody said, amen. 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 You can be seated. Hallelujah. To me, the wilderness symbolizes a place of desolation or at least a place of uncertainty. Uncertainty. There are many today who are wandering in the wilderness, the wilderness of sin, the wilderness we know as the world. When we speak of the world, we're not just talking about the orb, the planet that we live on, but we're talking about the world as a system, a kingdom controlled by Satan. If you don't believe that Satan is controlling this world, then you, uh, I need to talk to you after church. The drug addiction, the alcoholism, the theft, the crime, the abuses, the deterioration of traditional marriage and the home, all of these things, the acceptance of sin by society at large, they're doing what Jesus said they would do, they're calling good evil and evil good in a day we're living in now that really it doesn't matter what the Bible says, doesn't matter what the Constitution says. It doesn't even matter what the people say. Liberal, federal judges and, and legislators can just pretty much at will do as they want. And most of that they're doing it, leading our people away from God. I want to say this, that anything that takes you away from God may not be any of the things I've mentioned heretofore. It may be the concern with your job, your home, your family. Your greatest concern in life may be being a person that pays their bills on time, and that's commendable. But if that pursuit takes you away from God and away from church, I'll say that, it's leading you into a wilderness, into a place where there's no guidance and no direction and no sustenance for the Spirit. I begin to think about the wilderness, and as I said, there are many that are wandering there. Some... We're born there. By that I mean there are many people today who have never had the influence of a church or of worship or a Bible preaching. I'll never forget some years ago, many years ago, in fact, Gail and I were at her mother's house one day. And she at that time was caring for a couple of small children. And we were there that day at their home and Gail's always been drawn to children and she had pulled a little New Testament with Psalms out of her purse and it was one that just happened to have some pictures in it, it had pictures of Jesus, it showed Jesus as the good shepherd carrying lambs, it showed Jesus with little children blessing them, it showed Jesus then doing some of the other familiar things we would recognize in Scripture And one of the little girls asked Sister Moody, she said, who is this man? And Gail said, that's Jesus. This was not a real small child. It was a child that was in school. And I was shocked when the child looked at her and said, well, who is Jesus? She had no idea. So Sister Moody just took a few moments and explained to her who Christ was and what he came to do. And then as she was turning through the pictures, she saw a picture of Jesus dying on a cross. And that little child teared up and said, what are they doing to him? And so Sister Gail explained to her why he died for our sins. There are many today that are born in the wilderness. There are others that uh, were in church maybe most of their lives and maybe even made a profession of faith, been in the baptistry or got baptized started out to serve God and somehow they've lost their way and they've found themselves back in the wilderness. I again want to reiterate, if you're not in church, if you're not hearing the preaching of the gospel, if you're not being taught the word of God, if you're not serving the Lord, then you're wandering in the wilderness. You may feel secure where you are. Can I get a witness, church? The wilderness is a dangerous place. The wilderness can be, even at times, though, a place of preparation. The Bible said in Luke chapter 3 that the Word of God, in verse 2 it said it came to John the son of Zechariah, or John the Baptist. The Word of God came to him in the wilderness. I remember in 1995 I went to Israel, and I've went back since then. But in 1995 we were in the area of... of, of that country known as Qumran and in that area of Qumran it's, it's a barren wilderness and there, there are caves there that, that have been formed over centuries of the howling wind cutting in through tunnels and, and they, they told us the story that a young Bedouin shepherd was keeping his sheep and one of the lambs fell down in a hole. And it was deep and, and it was a cave that was, had been cut by the wind coming in from some other entrance point and the young man picked up a stone and threw it down into the hole and after it fell for a while, he heard something break. And to make a long story short, he found his way into that cave and when he got there, there were, there were clay pitchers and jars that were hundreds of years old and when they found them and they unearthed them, they were what we know as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it was in that area they found that there had been an ancient village of people known as the Essenes. And it was believed that in the village of the Essenes, that John the Baptist grew up because the Essenes were people that their only function was to transcribe and to preserve the ancient scriptures and writings of the Word of God. There were for uh, many years many of the critics of the Bible that said the book of Isaiah was incorrect and that it had been manipulated and it had been changed. And when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found an ancient scroll of the entire book of Isaiah that the ASEANs had transcribed and they could date it back to the days of, the, of of Isaiah. Think of that, of the wealth of this. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying sometimes God will take people out of the security of what they know and put them in a place that may seem difficult. Some of you that are in this building this morning, your life, you thought everything was going well. You thought you had everything planned and took care of. But suddenly you found yourself in a place of hardship or difficulty or fighting battles or doing, or having struggles that you didn't understand. But I want to tell you that God is able to reach down into a wilderness existence and God is able to speak into your life. I want to tell you something. This God is real. This word of God is truth. And the word of God is more than just a book. I want to tell you that despots and tyrants have tried for years to do away with it. But according to the book of Hebrews, it's alive. It's quick. It's powerful. It defines eternity. It, it, is the, it, it doesn't only just tell about salvation. It is salvation. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, it'll get you to heaven, glory to God. No matter where you're living, if you'll embrace it. So I need to hurry. I started thinking about the wilderness. And he came out of that wilderness, the scripture said, John did in Luke chapter 3. Came into the country about Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance, remission of sins. And then Luke 3 and 4 said, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, saying the voice, of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord and make straight his path. Oh, I want to preach right here. I need to move on, but I just feel my help up in this place. I've come to tell somebody there's a voice crying in your wilderness existence. There's a voice crying into the lives of those that are addicted to drugs and to alcohol. But that same voice is crying out to that honest, hard-working man and hard-working woman that might might think that you're okay. Jesus said you must be born again. John came preaching and said you need to make straight paths for him to come in to your life. You know what he was saying? He said I want to tell you something. There's one coming after me. He's mightier than I. I'm not worthy to bear his shoes. I'll baptize you to repentance but if you'll open your heart he'll come in and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire he'll bring you into the body, he'll save you, he'll make a difference glory to God, I want to tell you, I love Jesus glory, and if you're in the wilderness, I'm crying out to you, he loves you and he wants to save you, give him praise if you would glory, glory, glory let me tell you some things about the wilderness I want to say this Satan knows the wilderness quite well Satan feels secure in his work in the wilderness. Satan thinks that if I can get you in the wilderness, if I can get you away from God, if I can get you out from under the influence of that preacher... If I can get you away from the the altar where you need to come and pray quite frequently. If I can get you away from the Bible. If I can get you in a wilderness, I can blind you. I like Samson, I can put out your eyes. Are you hearing me like David? I can cause you to look at something you shouldn't look at. Amen. If I can get you away from God, I can drag you down a road to hell. Are you hearing me, Jesus, said he come not, but for to steal, kill, and to destroy I want to say it. He feels comfortable in the wilderness. He even tried Jesus in the wilderness. He thought, I'll beat the Son of God here. Amen. But I want to tell you, one of the most epic battles in this war against sin was won by the Savior. Amen. When he looked at that devil and said, it is written. Oh, glory to God. Thank God for the word of God. Can you say amen? Well, well, so the wilderness it can be a place of defeat. It can be where men die. Without God. In Deuteronomy 29 and 2. Moses was recounting. What had happened to Israel. And he called unto all Israel. And said unto them. You have seen all that the Lord did. Before your eyes in the land of Egypt. Unto Pharaoh and unto his servants. And unto his land. The great temptations. Which thine eyes have seen. The signs and those great miracles. In other words he saying. You people were in Egypt. God Destroyed Egypt. He destroyed Pharaoh. He did things like turn the water to blood, bring f- flies and lice upon the country without measure. He brought frogs out of the water. He destroyed and killed the firstborn of Egypt. And then you walked out of there with all the gold of Egypt in your bags. God delivered you. But listen to what he said Yet the Lord hath not given you an heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear unto this day. Listen, and I have led you, Moses is talking, 40 years in a wilderness, your clothes are not waxing old upon you, your shoes are not waxed old on your feet, you have not eaten bread, neither have you drunk wine or strong drink, that you might know that I am Lord. What was he saying? He was saying, God brought you out of Egypt, you refused to believe Him and go to the promised land. So for 40 years, I've walked you around in circles, in a wilderness, in a desert place, then he said, "You haven't even noticed. I'm I'm just sort of doing a little uh, uh, ad libbing here." But he said, "You haven't even noticed that your shoes haven't worn out in forty years. You haven't even noticed that your clothes haven't got old in forty years. You've been without strong drink. You've been without wine. You've been without now that and that. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean you didn't get to go down to the pub and throw down a few. That they used it for medicinal purposes." He said, "You have." Even had to take it in medicine. God's been Jehovah Rapha. God's been your healer. There's a lot of people in America today that need to take a trip to Africa. They need to go somewhere where people are starving to death and wake up and say, God has blessed America and I need him. I need to come out of the wilderness. My God, we don't need to legalize homosexual marriage. We don't need to promote abortion. We need to turn back to the God of the Bible. Hallelujah. Woo. Moses went on in Deuteronomy 32, verse 9. And he said, the Lord's portion is his people. Do you understand? God owns the gold in the hills. He owns this world and all that's in it. But he said, you're mine. You're the apple of my eye. You're the treasure of my life. Somebody said it this morning. One day Reparina Arena will burn up. And so will the palaces of the world. And the coffers of the rich. And when the smoke clears, God will make a new heaven and a new earth. And he'll put people that have come out of the wilderness and come to Jesus here to live. Whew. Hallelujah. The Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is a lot of his inheritance. Listen to this. He found him in a desert land. And in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As the eagle stirs up her nest. Flutters over her young. Spreads abroad her wings. Takes them. Bears them on her wings. So the Lord alone did lead him. And there was no strange God with him. He made him to ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields. He made him, I like this, to suck honey out of the rock and all out of the flinty rock. You know what it means huh? when an eagle stirs up her nest? When an eagle makes a nest, she pads it with things. She'll, she'll take soft things. and Hallelujah, and uh, I need something here. Woo. Come out of there. she'll take soft things you ought to help me hold that and she'll she'll pat it, make a nest there mama hallelujah she'll fluff it with feathers and skins off of rabbits that she's ate and everything, she'll make it soft for her little eaglets, her little babies to hatch on and then They'll get to where they're getting a little big and their little fuzz has turned to feathers. And they've got equipped to fly but they don't want to get out of the nest. And they'll stand up on the side of the nest. She always builds her nest in the high places. And they'll perch and they'll look like eagles but they're looking down there scared to death. But how many knows that mama knows you ain't an eagle till you fly? You You didn't hear me. Come on, some of you in the wilderness, God's getting ready to stir up your nest. Well, she makes that nest soft. But little do they know that underneath that, when she builds it, she constructs it with thorns. I mean big old long ones and jagged edges. And she sticks them up so that they can't sit on it. She pads it. So when it comes time for them to fly, old mama eagle, she'll look at them. And she'll say, get out of the nest, in eagle language, however they say it. And they'll say, no, 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 mama. She'll say, yes, you're gonna get out of the nest. And what she'll do is she'll start pulling the soft stuff out. She'll pick it up and she'll throw it out. And all those lefts, those jagged things. Well, they can't sit down. So they got to stand up on the edge. And they're standing up on the edge. You know, they're looking like all this. And they're tired. And, and they want to sit down, but they can't. So mama, you know what she does? She'll go over and she'll just knock them off. <laughs> They'll fall about three or four hundred feet. They, they're flopping. They're trying to fly. Look like they're going to die. And she'll swoop down. She'll catch them on her back. She'll soar higher than they've ever been. And she'll bring them back to the nest. And through a while, I'm about to shout, she'll knock them off the nest again. And they'll flop and flounder. And she'll swoop down, bring them back up. And then finally one day, she knocks. Them off, and instead of flopping and floundering, they just spread their wings, and the wind of the spirit catches them, and they begin to soar. Hallelujah! Woo. God's about to stir up your nest. You won't be able to sleep. You won't be able to sit down. You won't be able to work your job. You know why? He wants to get you to the heights of the presence of the living God. Hallelujah. He loves you. Too much to let you live in that wilderness. He loves you. Too much to let you lay around in the nest. God wants you to get saved and get filled with his mighty Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I know I'm a little crazy, but let me go. He then says that not only can the wilderness be a place of defeat, but it can be a place of discouragement. You can get discouraged in the wilderness. Children of God can't go there real often. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death in the 23rd Psalm. He didn't say I'm buying real estate and developing a subdivision. He said, I'm walking through that mess and getting out of there. Are you with me? Amen. You can get discouraged in the wilderness. In 1 Kings chapter 19, the great prophet of fire, Elijah, had destroyed the prophets of Baal. He prayed and it hadn't rained for three and a half years. He prayed and again and it did rain. And he, he slew the prophets of Baal. And Ahab went back and told Jezebel. Let me tell you something, there's a Jezebel in the world today. And a lot of people have pointed at women and said, oh, they're Jezebel. Let me tell you about Jezebel. Jezebel is the spirit. Sometimes it's the spirit of government. Sometimes it's the spirit of, of entertainment in the world. I'll tell you, anybody that watched that filth, they called the Grammys. I might as well preach this. Ain't nobody else going to. And they, 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 they was marrying homosexuals in the aisle. And they was kissing each other in the mouth. And what that had to do with the Grammys? Nothing. But thank God for Natalie Grant. If you all don't know who Natalie Grant is, you ought to buy her music. She's a gospel singer. She was nominated for a Grammy you know what she did? She got up and walked out of that mess. Hallelujah. And the next day she tweeted and put it on Facebook and said, I've never been more proud to be a child of God and to live for Jesus than I am right now. And she said, I don't need a Grammy, but I do need the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you hearing me? You've got to come out. I said, you've got to come out from among them and be a separate. Amen. If you're a, a sipping saint, if you're drinking liquor and going to the bars, if you'll never go high with God. You know, yeah, I'm preaching better than you. You need to come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, then I'll receive you. So Elijah, he killed the prophets of Baal. He wasn't politically correct, he just killed him. And then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah and said, so let the gods, little G, do to me also more also if I make not your life as one of them others. She said, if I don't kill you by this time tomorrow, let the gods kill me. And he arose and saw. when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. Left his servant there. Listen to verse 4. 1 Kings 19, 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat down under a juniper tree. And requested for himself that he might die. And said, it's enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life. I'm no better than my father's. And he laid down. In the wilderness, and he went to sleep under the juniper tree. Let me tell you something, child of God, you may be in the wilderness things may be falling apart. Your finances may be a mess. Your kids may have went crazy. Dear God, your parents may have went crazy. In this day and time, everything might be falling apart. and You're in a wilderness and you feel like, I might as well just quit. I might as well die. He laid down and went to sleep. But the Bible goes on to say that while he slept, God sent an angel and an angel came and woke him up and set a, fr- a fresh bake- a cake of bread and a cruise of fresh water down and said, eat and drink because amen when he woke up verse 6 amen he slept under the juniper tree in verse 5 verse 6 he looked up and there was a cake baked hot bread on the fire somebody shout hot bread fresh bread and a cruise of water in his head and he did eat and drink and he laid down again and the angel the Lord came to him the second time and touched him and said get up and eat the journey's too great for you and he got up and he ate some more of that bread it's the word he drank some more of that water it's the spirit and the Bible said he went 40 days Please and 40 nights did you hear me he traveled 40 days and 40 nights never slept never stopped never sat down in the in the power and the strength of what God fed him and the Bible said he came to Horeb and that, that, that may not mean much to you but it means the mount of God he came to the place where God's power was right there for him to reach out and get a hold of I've come to tell somebody today that the wilderness need not not discourage you, nor destroy you. Just eat and drink and get up. God has a plan for you. God has a plan. I'm going to hurry. Look at somebody. Say he's hurrying. David, in this time, wrote Psalm 55. And in Psalm 55, David prayed. Verse one, he said. Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me, hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make my noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. For they cast iniquity upon me and in wrath they hate me. may ever feel like that? <laughs> Ooh, they hate me, Lord. My heart is sore pain within me and terrors of death are falling upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me. Horror has overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. Holy Ghost, can you say, amen. Holy Spirit, I I would fly away and be at rest. Lo, then would I wander off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. In other words, the wilderness, the place that David was, became a place of determination for him. You see, there was a counselor. By the name of Ahithophel. And he had told Absalom. Listen to what he said. He said David's in the wilderness. He said let me choose out 12,000 men. I'll arise and I'll go after David tonight. I'll come up on him while he's weary. While he's weak handed. I'll make him afraid. And all the people that are with him shall flee. Do you understand sometimes the devil's plotting against you. And Ahithophel said and when I get him. They all run off Amen. In, in chapter 17 and verse three, 2, he says, And I'll smite the king. I'll kill the king. Do you understand? The enemy was saying, I will kill kill the king. And David said, but oh, if I can just get hold of the spirit, I can fly away into a place where God can help me. I want to tell you the wilderness to David became a place of determination. It became a place where he knew that if I can just get hold of God, Dave Caldwell, there's got to be a place where we come to in, in these battles, in these struggles, in these trials. Christians, you don't wonder why some Christians have walked away from God, walked away from church and walked back out in the wilderness and they've gave up and some of them have laid down and died spiritually. It's because they lack determination. I've found out that no matter what the enemy does, if I can just get a hold of God, if I can just pray through, if I can just have faith, if I can just trust God he'll make a way where there seems to be a way. Hear me, he's real. Amen, the devil's a liar. You need to get hold of God and hold on till the end comes, till the end comes. Let me conclude with this. The wilderness. I thought of the wilderness as being a place of defeat. It was for the children of Israel. I thought of it being a place of discouragement, as it was for Elijah. I thought of it being a place of determination, as it was for David. But then I found the great high priest and champion of our salvation. His name's Jesus. And the wilderness became a place of victory, of victory. Your Bible says, In Matthew 4 and 1, it says this. It said, Jesus was led up or by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. The Holy Ghost took Jesus to the wilderness to be tempted after he was baptized. Then in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, it said, Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led, same same occurrence just a different account it said, but Luke says he was full of the Holy Ghost he was full of the Holy Ghost and he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness and then the enemy came said if you're the son of God he was hungry and he said command these stones to be turned to bread and then he took him upon the pinnacle of the temple and said if you're the son of God throw yourself down God has said that angels will take care of you. And then he said to a high mountain. Matthew says he went to the temple first and then to the mountain. Luke says he went to the mountain first and then to the temple. Doesn't matter, same story, just two different men's account. But then he said he took him to a high mountain and showed him everything, the kingdoms of the world, all of them. Not just then, but future. And said, if you'll worship me... I'll give it all to you. Now listen to me. You hear me. Theolo- this is theology. It was Satan's to offer. It was Satan's to give. Wait a minute. The, the, the world belongs to God. Yeah, but Satan has control of it. The reason he has control of it is because Adam sinned and surrendered domination of the world and th- of all of creation to Satan. Are you hearing me? Before Adam sinned, he could sit down and talk with lions and bears and, and anything. They, they, he communicated with them. Adam was a com- used a 100% of, brain, of his brain capabilities. They tell me that a genius only uses 18 or 19%, something like that. But before the fall, Adam had a complete perfect mind. He could commune with anything, anybody. He could talk with angels. Adam, he commanded them. Are you hearing me? But when he sinned, he became just about 90% brain dead and fail. Are you hearing me? You hear what I'm telling you? And Satan took control of the world. Even everything turned against man. And so Satan says to Jesus, if you'll worship me, I'll give it all to you. I wonder how many people have walked away from God for what the world offers. Jerry Lee Lewis, Some of y'all don't know who Jerry Lewis was, but he was a rock and roller that had songs like Great Balls of Fire. Some of the others, Jerry Lewis, stood in a little church in Louisiana in World War II and spoke under the Holy Ghost and prophesied. And said that the United States will win this war in a day. They'll drop two bombs that will end the war. You got to understand that the atomic bomb was top secret and nobody knew it, but the Holy Ghost knew it. And in a little old backwoods place called Faraday, Louisiana, Jerry Lee Lewis stood up under the Holy Ghost and prophesied it would happen. And just a few days later, they dropped the atomic bombs on, Hirosh- on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and the war ended. <laughs> That's prophecy. But he traded the Holy Ghost and fire for great balls of fire. Do you understand me? His wife died in the bed beside of him. His children have been killed in car wrecks. He's a drunk. He's a wretch of shell of a man. Are you hearing me? People have walked away from God to the wilderness. Are you hearing me? And I could stand up here and name others. Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Learned to play their instruments and sing their songs in a Pentecostal church. And uh, Jimi Hendrix singing Purple Haze that he wrote while he was high on dope. And he overdosed and died. Janis Joplin, Elvis Presley, learned to sing in church. Died full of drugs. You're hearing me. I could name others, but I'll just stop at that. The devil is always offering people something. He may not offer you those things. He'll just tell you you don't need to serve God. He'll tell you stuff like, well, I'm as good as that preacher. Well, you are. But hear me. There's none of us good. Not one of We all go into hell without we serve the Lord. Do you understand? You must be born again. You're saved by grace through faith. You've got to live for Jesus. He's the only one. I'm not going to heaven because I'm good. I'm going to heaven because I'm saved. And I live for Jesus. <laughs> Dear Lord. Satan uses the stupidest little lies to, to fool the smartest people. Come on, Nick. And so I... I thought about the place of victory. Now this will sound a little funny, but it's true. Satan tried to defeat Jesus that day. And years ago, brother Frank Foster said this to me, and I've never forgot it. He said, "Brother Owen, he said Jesus just shot him down with 244s. Said so he jerked out 244s and shot him down. I said what are you talking about He said Matthew 4 and 4 Jesus just said It is written And then Luke 4 and 4 That's the other 44 Jesus just looked at him and said It is written All you got to do When the devil comes trying to drag you down Is just jerk out your 44 And blow his stinking brains out just look at him and say thus saith the Lord the Bible said resist the devil and you draw an eye to God how do you draw an eye to God you draw an eye to God by, by being saved by reading the Bible by praying by going to church oh, uh, those mundane things you've just been in the wrong church I'm telling you there's nothing nothing like what we have right here I'm not saying we're, we're not the only duck in the puddle but honey our feathers are wet we have got Jesus can you say amen turn around and high five somebody and say we have got the Lord hallelujah and the Lord has got us we're saved and we're safe because we're living for him we're living for him I told you that Early last week, God spoke to me. I was here at the church. And I'd been here doing some things and doing some praying and some studying, and I walked into the sanctuary. You all don't know it, but real often, while I'm here, I'll come down to the front, and I'll get that ball of oil and I'll rub oil on my hands, and I'll anoint myself. Then I'll anoint the pulpit and I'll anoint all the keyboards and all the instruments. The seats that they sit on, the choir. I'll anoint every, all, everything for worship. And then I walk through these seats and I'll anoint every seat where people are going to sit. And I'll pray on them. I'll anoint the doors. I'll say, God, everybody walks through these doors. Don't let them escape your presence. Uh, that's crazy. Well, you just think what you want to think. It works for me. I'll anoint the offering pans. I'll anoint everything. I just walk right here and anoint things. Cast out devils, rebuke them, tell them they got no place here. And declare that everybody that comes in here is going to get saved. Everybody that comes, ain't none of you going to hell. Not if I didn't stop it. I'm going to preach it however it takes it to get you saved. And I walked down here and I started to just go through my, my routine of anointing everything. Coming down that aisle. Just somewhere right in here, it's like the Spirit of God just came on me. And I heard this in my spirit. I heard it in my hearing. I heard the Lord say, you've got to get these people out of the wilderness. I stopped. I said, what? I mean, out loud, I said, what? And God said, there's people in the wilderness. You've got to get them out. They're going to die there. You can't let them stay there. And I haven't been the same since then. It's like everywhere I'm at, I'm in in Walmart or Gail hates to go shopping with me because we never get to walk together. Because people stop me and I'm just wondering, are they in the wilderness? I try to feel them out while I'm talking to them. How are they with God? They want to talk about something stupid, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual here. I'm just here to tell you there are people that are dying out in the wilderness. They're dying. Do you hear me? They're dying and going to hell in the wilderness. But Jesus said the wilderness is a place of victory when you hold the word of God dear and you use it as the weapon that it is against the enemy. So I've come to ask you this morning, are you living... In the wilderness is the wilderness a place of defeat or discouragement has it become a place of determination where you've decided i will not die here is this the place where jesus is coming to you and saying come to me all of you that labor are heavy laden and i'll give you rest god brought moses said god found you in a waste howling wilderness man when i read it i thought wow what a description. A waste howling wilderness. What a description. How many know people that are living in a place like that? Their life is so messed up. But there's a way out. God brought them out. He let them suck all out of the rock, honey out of the rock, and all out of the flinty rock. God brought them to a place. Deliverance. Bow your heads, please, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. I have delivered my heart, sir. And set our hearts on you.
0: Lord We hope you enjoyed today's message and we will tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.arhop.life. Thanks for listening.